Hello and welcome to the Zion Oil and Gas Podcast. Before we get started, it is recommended by our legal advisors to read the forward-looking statement for the next one minute and a half. Stay tuned. This podcast contains forward-looking statements, statements in this communication that are not historical fact, including statements regarding Zion's planned operations, anticipated attributes of geological strata that may be drilled or tested in the future, import of the drilling rig it purchased into Israel in a timely manner, and Zion's ability to successfully raise the funds needed to undertake all of its planned exploration efforts, Zion's ability to continue as a going concern, Zion's ability to have its common stock continue to be listed on the NASDAQ capital market, the timing and completion of the processing, interpretation of the results, and plans contingent thereon of the 3D seismic survey, the timing of the importation onto the well site of the purchased drilling rig, approvals needed for the rig's erection and startup, the effect, if any, of the coronavirus pandemic on the timing of the delivery and startup of the well, and operational risks in ongoing exploration efforts, are forward-looking statements which are made pursuant to the safe harbor provisions of Section 27A of the Securities Act of 1933, as amended, and Section 21E of the Securities and Exchange Act of 1934, as amended. These forward-looking statements are based on assumptions that are subject to significant known and unknown risks, uncertainties, and other unpredictable factors, many of which are described in Zion's periodic reports filed with the SEC and are beyond Zion's control. These risks could cause Zion's actual performance to differ materially from the results predicted by these forward-looking statements. Zion can give no assurance that the expectations reflected in these statements will prove to be correct and assumes no responsibility to update these statements. Hello and welcome to the Zion Oil and Gas Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Summy. Vice President of Marketing and Investor Relations with Zion Oil and Gas. So hello and welcome to the Zion Oil and Gas podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Summy, And with us today, we have uh, Zion's CEO, Robert Dunn. And uh, also a special guest is Goran uh, Stankovic. Uh, I hope I said that correctly. I apologize if I don't. And uh, so I, we're so glad to have you here. Welcome. And uh, I guess to start out, would you just give us a quick story of your background and how you came to Agile Seismic? Now, for those of you who are listening, Agile Seismic is, is the company that we are working with to do our 3D Seismic both the acquisition and, and assisting us with the processing and interpretation. Actually, they're doing the processing and assisting us with uh, interpretation aspects. Uh, so, so give us an idea of your, your background and how you came to Agile. Okay, well, um, here is um, a little, little story about our little company. Um, Prior to starting Agile Seismic, I worked in a Shell Research Center, and then after that in a Western Geophysical Center, and then I joined GX Technology. So um, in 2004, GX Technology was acquired by ION. Okay. Things were going well back then. This is 15 years ago, and, and then 
uh, my client, uh, my my uh, colleague, and uh, later my business partner Ted Stiglitz and I decided that uh, we saw there is opportunity to provide high-end services to um, to smaller um, oil companies. Gotcha. So now is that when you we, that's, when you began to connect a bit with uh, Rob? Rob, when did you start connecting with? Uh, I, this was a little later when uh, when we connected. A little later when uh, when we started a company uh, in Serbia in two thousand in two thousand ten. Uh, now, just like many other companies in two thousand five, we started a company, but we didn't really uh, have the projects right away. It takes time to to get those projects. So uh, we started our company two thousand in Serbia in two thousand ten. Gotcha. And Rob, when did you connect first with uh, Goron? It would have been more or less late two thousand twelve. Uh, we were doing a very large project for the state-owned oil company, which is um, partnered with Gazprom, and you know we had approximately gotcha. two thousand square kilometers. And at that point, we needed a, a group that was indigenous to the Serbian market and had the talents that needed to process the data. Got it. So, Dora, or, uh, Goran, you, you left uh, GXT and you started Agile Seismic in uh, 2005. So tell us a little bit about that process. Well, that was, that was actually, I, I enjoyed working uh uh, in GX technology, uh, and it's, it was great, and still is a great company with uh, great software and people. Uh, we left um, amicably. Uh, actually, first few projects uh, uh, that we did, we had an agreement with GX that we will use their software and hardware. And uh, later, we realized we really need to to get our own uh, software and hardware. So we got an office, but uh, a uh, processing package, uh, an imaging processing package, and and that's how we started. And we also uh, partnered up with uh, with an interpreter. So pretty soon we were able to uh, provide a uh, few of us provide uh, integrated um, uh, services, seismic services, going from field tapes to um, prospect generation. Okay, and then. Now, when did you open uh, an office? Uh, well, the office uh, 2005, you know, I don't think we had an office right away, uh, but I, I'm not sure if this was 2007. Uh, we, had our, we had our office, I think, in the Galleria area, and then uh, we moved to another uh, area in West Chase. I don't know exactly the date. <laughs> And, and you said Galleria area. Is that in Houston? In Houston, yeah. That's that okay, is gotcha. I took up Houston. And then yeah, we're some of, area. Dallas, some of our Dallas listeners might think, oh, it's Galleria here in Dallas. Oh, I no, just wanted no, no. to be sure. Yeah, yeah. Houston area and then West Chase, Houston area, and then we had a small office and computer room, then we extended that small office, then we we added another suite as we were growing, and it was quite nice area uh, in, in so-called energy corridor, other processing and oil companies were closed. So we had a good uh, location. In Serbia, we, we opened an office in 2010 and not with the intention of uh, doing business with uh, 
the only oil company there, but rather to have that company to help us with our Houston projects. And as an uh, overflow, we have extra work they can do it. Uh, but eventually, we did get uh, we get, did get a, a project uh, as Robert mentioned uh, with the all with the oil company there. Gotcha. And you still have that office in Serbia? We still have an office, but you know, it's just like every other company these days, we had to to scale down to survive. So so now my plan is again, uh, we're looking for an opportunity to to kind of uh, grow that company uh, and and get some projects um, maybe in North Africa or Middle East. Um, that's that that is our intention gotcha and so uh and then tell us a little bit about uh the beginning of your work with uh zion and just how that's going as far as covid that's going on and just some of the changes that you see from your perspective uh with all the companies you're working with not just zion but just to give a, a perspective for all the people that are wondering what kind of work is going on and what the climate is like. Right. Well, I, I think uh, we were all shocked w- with what happened. Um, it, you know, I think it, w- it caught us by surprise. Um, I think uh, oil and gas industry was especially, I mean, it, all world economies are affected, but oil and gas industry spe- especially hit hard because it crippled uh, their operations, but also uh, killed demand for oil due to global lockdown. And especially in Texas here, we know that, you know, that uh, the premium companies were hit very hard because it's hard to deal with the $40 oil and sub 40. I mean, <laughs> we know it was it was much lower than that. So some are happy that it is forty dollars now, but it, it's it's it, it's right. hard. So it it, it affected and um, uh, processing companies like Agile Seismic Seismic Service Company. Well, I got I got a call from uh, Robert last year prior to that, and and he said if I uh, would be interested in. Uh, in uh, uh, doing a, a turkey shoot, a 2D line. Right. Um, and I, I said, yeah, sure. Always interested in doing that. Right. So with a possibility of getting a 3D project later, and we did it, the uh, uh, processing of that one line, uh, he and the interpreter liked the result, and they chose us, asked, Robert asked for a bid, I sent a bit. He liked the results with it and the price, I guess, everything. So he hired us to do the Zion oil and gas uh, Megiddo Israel uh, project. Oh, that's awesome. So we were glad. And that was about October that you engaged with us last year. And, of course, we did the 3D seismic. And a couple of people have just been amazed at how quickly that happened, some of our shareholders. Uh, especially in Israel, yeah. and maybe Robert, you can speak to that of just working with Agile, of how that process went and uh, why it went so quickly. No, correct. It, it wasn't. You know, bottom line, it was a really a miracle. And why I say miracle is, you know, processing houses or 
uh, processing centers have time slots available. And normally you have a two to three month waiting period, depending on the, the volume size of data you're bringing into the, the centers. And when I reached out to, to Gorin, they had a window of exactly when we were going to be complete shooting the, the 3D survey. And it worked out absolutely perfect. We couldn't have asked for any better timing. And, and at that point, with the quality of work that they did reprocessing a 2D line from the, the area, and then it was, an, it was at that point, it was just very difficult not to utilize Agile with the quality they've done. Well, and this is. Well, I appreciate the comment. <laughs> and this has been a, a pretty positive as far as resign, and not necessarily for you. With the downturn, uh, you can give us a little bit more attention. Is that what I'm hearing? Or, well, he, here is um, we got some uh, res result, uh, basically a, a volume that. Uh, uh, Robert and lead interpreter light uh, somewhere I think about February March you know and um, subsequent time we we had times th there was no rush uh, and not just with Zion oil but with some other clients they said th there was no rush they couldn't get the permits everything was closed and everything so I said well let me use that time productively and 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 try some other things he just uh, trying other methods and, and, and just exploring uh, the vicinity of the solution we already had. Because right. this is, after all, a difficult area. So uh, a little extra work uh, uh, was helpful. So, so we use that. Um, Randy is the guy who did uh, called signal processing and I did depth imaging and uh, we try other things to enhance uh, already the target area and a little, little below because uh, geologically this is a different, difficult area because it has, uh, it, it has um, a shallow uh, basalt and basalt is a, a hard rock that reflects seismic energy, so it's hard to to get the energy below. But we did get. Uh, 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 we had a good uh, seismic acquisition uh, uh, data, and so we were, we were able to get the energy from the target horizons. Awesome. Also, yeah. we had an. Uh, go ahead. You go ahead. Yeah. We had a meeting uh, 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 with Israeli team as well, who came to our office in January. That was helpful to spend few days discussing. Um, uh, um, geology, them looking into our data, and uh, so so we were able to get a feedback from them, and they were able to understand what we're doing. So it was a productive meeting. Wow! Now, you said there's some challenges with Israel, and I think a lot of our investors probably know very little about the the seismic acquisition process and 3D seismic acquisition. So, what is the best way to understand the process in general? Uh, you mean regarding the seismic, uh, uh, how seismic works and everything? Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Connect to them. Yeah, give them an idea. Well, okay. Well, uh, first of all, seismic, uh, or more precisely, reflection seismic is just one of the uh, of, of several geophysical methods uh, that, that are used in exploration of oil and gas 
but it's the most important and most used by far because it is um, and, and because of, of a resolution that it, produ it can produce of the data. Uh, and also it can be used in uh, land and marine. So, so the basic is that uh, we need to have a seismic source that creates seismic energy, seismic waves, and these waves propagate and then they get reflected from size, uh, for geologic layers. This reflected energy then goes to the surface and gets recorded. And for that, we need seismic sensors. So, so that there is, um, the, the, why do the uh, seismic uh, waves reflect? Well, they reflect because um, of change in velocity and of the density uh, of the rocks, density. right? Yeah, the density. Rocks and combined is called combined effect is called um, impedance contra impedance contrast. Like if if there is a layer uh, interface that that doesn't have impedance contrast, then then that area would be seismically blind, so to speak. Right. But uh, we're lucky because seismic sensors are so sensitive, extremely sensitive. So even a small, it will pick up small reflections and we can record it. Um, and um, so we have very sensitive sensors on one side, seismic sensors, and we have very uh, big sources called vibrosize. Basically, these are uh, trucks that have a plate at the bottom, and they produce this uh, seismic energy. Uh, and uh, Robert can tell you more about well, I, actually, uh, seismic I was, position. He's the expert. Uh, Goran, I, I was actually out there. I was absolutely blown away. One with the, oh, with you the were trucks there, okay. and just that high frequency of vibration. And then I saw all the little sensors in the back of the trucks and everything. And, and Rob, how many sensors were, were uh, put at different sensor points was put out on this particular uh, uh, 3D seismic project? We had, we had north of 7,200, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it was absolutely incredible. So, and I know our uh, geologist Lee is just uh, in seventh heaven talking about just what he can see as far as the detail and, and from a geological perspective. Uh, right. Uh, th and those were what we call, uh, uh, Robert held them, uh, uh, held them all alive. All the sensors were alive for all the shots. And, and the shots were in, in thousands, I believe, Robert, like 6,000 or maybe more. Um, so, the, uh, so for each shot, uh, we call it a shot, although it's not an um, uh, explosive type uh, of seismic source, but we still call it a shot. For each seismic uh, source point, all um, uh, seismic sensors were recording. So there were many traces uh, recorded and that helps if you have many traces, we need this redundancy to overcome seismic noise and to enhance the weak signal. Uh, so the survey uh, provided lots of data for us, which we needed to provide uh, an image of, of, of good quality. Right, and that, that um, high level quality. Now there was something that you mentioned uh, to us uh, previously uh, that I had not heard to this level, and maybe you could speak more to that, is right. that 5D aspect. I mean, we've been talked about a lot about 3D and 2D. Now All what right. about 5D? Okay, 5D in, 
in an area you have um, seismic data is create, uh, acquired from the surface, but we have obstacles on the surface. It could be it could be houses, buildings, roads. It could be lakes, rivers. So uh, we don't have ideal coverage uh, pattern of seismic sources and receivers. So we have gaps in seismic data. Now, 5D interpolation is a technique that is used to overcome uh, such problems, and it is used to interpolate uh, the missing data, the data that otherwise wouldn't have been a, uh, we couldn't acquire because of these obstacles on the service. So it improves the data quality, especially in this shallow part, but also it provides uniform, uh, it also provides regularization of the data so that the data is more uniform and we we need that to pro provide an image with uh, as little artifacts as possible. To, to be honest, today you cannot do 3D seismic data if you don't have that 5D interpolation. And we, ha we had a couple of algorithms that we used that were available to us and we used them both and chose one of those uh, to Right to proceed with, with the process. That's incredible. Now, you, you also have spoken of a, a processing step, uh, migration. Uh, talk a little bit about right. that. Yeah. Okay. Well, there is, there is uh, an, another uh, important step is, or two steps, I will mention both, is 3D pre-stack depth migration. Um, and what migration means is the following. We record the trace, a certain reflection, a certain event on all sensors, but we don't know where it comes from in the subsurface, right? Mm. Because it, it can be anywhere uh, in the subsurface because horizons are not flat. Uh, the the events uh, come from different angles. Now we have to put them back in the place from which they got reflected. So this process is called migration. The uh, depth word in it means that the output of this process is depth. However, the depth is not true depth. Uh, it is sort of, I would call it seismic depth because what we record with seismic data is not depth, we record time. Oh, okay. So what is correction with seismic depth and, 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 and seismic time It's velocity. And so we need also to know subsurface velocity very well in order to come up with seismic depth. And there is another process in our processing package we use called seismic tomography or seismic reflection tomography that helps us derive seismic velocity. However, ultimately we need seismic wells. Gotcha. Uh, we need well we need wells to connect and calibrate our our seismic depth and make it through depth. And so with all of that data and kind of moving away from the actual acquisition of the data and then processing the data, you have to have a lot of processing power. So do you have multiple servers in multiple parts of the world? How does that work as far as processing, not just Zion's data, but anyone's data that you're doing right now? Right, we need, we need, we need to have um, a uh, cluster, they're called clusters. It could be, um, it, it, it is a number of servers and 
and each each one of ha of them has a number of CPUs, let's say 12, 16, uh, with lots of memories. So for the processing of this uh, uh, data, for example, uh, Zion data, Megiddo Israel, uh, we used uh, um, maybe in hundreds of ser of servers when we need it, and and. Because you need a lot of, as you said, you need a lot of uh, computer power. And we did, we did a lot of testing. Right. And now, rather than testing on a small portion of the data, we often tested on a whole data set. And, uh, and, and did many, many of these tests to find at the end which one produces the, uh, the best results. Yes, you need, you need uh, computer power and not just that, you need the computer uh, CPU, you need a lot of memories uh, for, for for larger data, and some pro some uh, processes re require, such as 5D, uh, multiply the amount of memory that is needed, uh, not just the data that you acquire, but a multiple of that seismic data needs to be to be needs to fit into into seismic. Um, in into the servers and that's just a lot of work and and uh and a lot of processing power i know hearing of how much data and size of data and then rob they hand all of that data over to us so we have all of our own data as soon as it's processed correct that's correct so typically what, what you know what happened with our survey here is there was a copy of tapes the raw field field data was was delivered to mm -hmm. agile and we retained duplicate sets of our raw field data, one in Israel, one in, in Dallas. And then Goron's group would make a backup of that. So you always have the original, you know, you can think of it as, as a master recording. Um, after that, there's many volumes that are generated from different stacks, different uh, applications that the Goron's group or the processing group puts on it. So, you know, you always retain the original master recording and in case there's there's any corruption of files or this or this, we always have the backup. But one, one interesting thing to, to make a comment on with, with Gorn is with the clusters that are utilized, you know, brick and mortar processing centers are, are more for meeting periods versus uh, working uh, environments. And unless, you know, you have a, a team of people on the collaboration end of it, a lot of processing is... is, is going to a remote login, would that be a correct statement, Gorn? Yes, yes, that's true, especially in this, in this environment, uh, we, can, uh, we can work from anywhere, as long as there is somebody in the computer center to, to help us when, when, uh, when something um, goes wrong and needs to be fixed. Uh, so especially now in this COVID environment, we were already set for this kind of uh, work even before COVID, so it didn't really affect us. But we can have people in different parts of the world of, uh, accessing the. Um, so you don't really service. need even a, you know, one of the the aspects as far as collaboration is great to be together. But with all the tools that we have, but you know, the idea of having an office, a brick and mortar idea that that's just not absolutely necessary for the work that we have to do in finding oil and gas and producing oil and gas. Exactly. Um, our our office is in Katy, and uh, I live in the southwest and 
uh, Randy works over there a little, a little to the west from Katie, and another person lives uh, in, in the woodlands. Um, so Houston is huge, as you know, so um, we can work remotely uh, collaborate and if we need to look at the data at the same time we can use webex or vnc so it really didn't affect us as i say it didn't it didn't affect the uh, operations uh the only thing i say is that as I, as I mentioned before because of covid we we had a little extra time to do some little extra things that's that's all yeah that makes sense and uh, yeah, and it's actually surprising where companies and when rethinking it, we can actually save some money. I know that that's been uh, somewhat true for us as well. Uh, now, one of the questions that we have, it goes a little bit back into history that our uh, investors have asked in the past, and, and we believe we answered it uh, pretty capably, but perhaps you have even a deeper understanding is uh why did we do 2D before we did 3D? Of course, when you when you say you're not going to do 3D, everyone hears 3D and they think, oh, 3D must be better than 2D. Uh, but we we decided, looking at all the options, to to do the 2D and go ahead and do an exploratory drilling, and then uh, it made sense for us to do the 3D uh, this last fall. Now, what is your take on that, just from a industry standard perspective? I think it is a very um, uh, accepted approach to doing seismic surveys in an area that doesn't have much uh, uh, seismic data. And my understanding is that there was not much seismic data. So right, it's uh, a it's a pretty wildcat uh, drilling area. So that's right. Yeah, go ahead. Although Israel is a small country, you know, I was surprised. Uh, honestly, that there was no seismic data, and this is kind of uh, a known area, uh, s- seismically or, or not maybe so geologically. But what you need is the seismic forest. In my one of the textbooks that I read when I was student of applied geophysics back in Belgrade, in Serbia, uh, that the geophysics and seismic tend to respect add a third dimension to to geologic map. So you can do certain things uh, with just geology on the surface and do mapping, but you need to know ultimately uh, what is below. And and seismic is one of those methods that does that, especially 3D. Now, 2D means you you have just a line across certain area and it's a cross section. So it is good in the sense that you can get a first look of the, what the subsurface is. You can see uh, horizons and you can you can start planning for the 3D based on that. And so you can uh, tune your parameters and you can do more of a, a tune your processing parameters as well. And then once you do that, then you go with 3D. To me, just one of common sense things that you would do so you say that it, it's uh, a it's a good approach or a correct approach to do 2d uh to get an idea of that especially since there was no seismic data in the area uh do exploratory uh drilling and then and then once you have a better idea then the 3d seismic is essential at that point is what you're saying exactly exactly you need you need to first uh 
take a peek at what's going on below subsurface and at, at much lower cost because 3D seismic is expensive. And then um, do, once, once you see in your 2D data that you have reflectivity uh, and then you can see your target horizon, uh, then you can proceed uh, and plan and eventually do 3D seismic survey. Right. Well, and, and I think that's been just really helpful to, to understand a little bit more, especially about the 3D. And, uh, you know, as much as we would love to go into detail of our particular thing, we have to, anything that we say about this particular project, you would have to put out in a public forum, so we can't talk about it here. Uh, but Rob, is there anything else that you think uh, Zion specific on this project uh, that 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 you would like to add and and maybe get Goran's take? Yeah, it would be actually good, Goran, to kind of give a rundown of the depth of of your team. I know there's been some mathematicians, some astrophysicists. Involved did you say in astrophysicists? I did. So so. So we uh, have an astrophysicist on this project. <laughs> Well, here is, let me just explain. We have uh, Agile Seismic team, but also for depth imaging, we use, we use Zterra um, uh, uh, package, depth imaging package, and in, um, we work close with them, very close. Uh, uh, we test uh, the latest and greatest what they produce. Uh, so yes, it's, it's, it's not, um, Actually, unusual to see that uh, that are astro astrophysicists who became geophysicists even when I work in Shell, there were a couple of them, uh, and um, one of the of the guys there uh, is mathematician uh, Nick, and Johan is a quantum physicist. Um, so we work closely with them and use their uh, imaging imaging suite and use also their experience to produce the best, the best products. So we have um, our, some of our own developers and some of our own software. Basically our, our philosophy is to buy, uh, purchase uh, programs that we need um, to have the best, the best third party uh, software out there, but also to develop our own software we need uh, to complement uh, those processing packages. I would like to add one more thing though, uh, just in the whole depth imaging process, you know, I, I mentioned it, made a brief mention of, of the well, and we were lucky that in, in this uh, project, we had uh, MJ1 well, Right in the middle of the of the survey, I worked on a process uh, on a survey seismic surveys where there is no wells, mm. and so when you talk about seismic depth, uh, it is as I mentioned before, it is not true seismic depth. But because we have this well, we were able to calibrate our seismic depth and stretch it according to the well information in such a way that when you're in the seismic data you feel much more confident about the depth of the uh, that you get from the seismic data than if you didn't have a well. Uh, 
because what uh, what well produces it produces true depth. Right. Seismic doesn't happen. So we, we but seismic, so basically you know you're what? saying since we know exactly how far down we went due to the number of drill string and all of those kind of aspects, that now you have a kind of a baseline or an offset to be able to compare all the different depths to so that you get a more accurate view. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Baseline would be good. You would stretch the data in such a way that that it fits the well. Then you're more confident away from the well that your velocity is correct when you drill away from the well. The more wells you have, the better it is. But also we know that drilling wells is very expensive. So having even this one well and a deep one at that is very important. That helps us with our confidence when, the, when it comes to drilling that, that that the depth of the target will be where where interpreter thinks it will be or it should be. That's incredible. Well, I know that's something that we've talked internally that we do everything we can to be as responsible as we can with uh, our investors' money and and uh, and you know and the, we, we, we were hoping and seeing that every aspect and step that we did, and of course we would have loved to, you know, kind of hit it out of the park, uh, you know, a couple of years ago when we hit target depth, but, uh, but being where we are and seeing where we are, uh, we, we feel very positive and we know that uh, you've been a great partner uh, for us. I hear nothing but good things uh, around Zion. Uh, Rob, do you want to add anything? Well, I appreciate that comment, and you, you're, you're a great client, and uh, I, I appreciate business with Zion Oil and Gas. Thank you. And, Rob, do you have anything to Maybe Maybe just in closing, uh, Goran, if you could kind of give us a, a, a timeline. I, I know some people that think it may be just as easy as loading some information in and the computers work and then spit the, the final product out, but maybe you can give us a little bit of color on on why the seismic takes uh, a significant amount of time to, to process a, a one a project to this side, but also the complexity of ours. You know, on average, how how have you seen it? Say last year when you were processing data versus to to this year now you have a concentration right. of your clusters on this. Well, I as I said, we we had a. a a volume which is pretty much what a final volume is somewhere in maybe March or, or so. Uh, extra extra time was used to produce to, to try some different things, and if anything, what happened is to confirm that we had a, a very good volume to to uh, to start with. Sometimes. This is not the first time we would make a a, a full circle, and they say, "Oh, okay. What we what we started with uh, is really good." But it is always good to question and try different approaches uh, because the target target is rather deep, and this is a complex area. So it it it, it is. It is a good practice to try different different approaches, different methods, because depth imaging can be done in different ways, and we we try them all. And so that that time was, was because it is so interpretive. 
um, that that's why it, it takes it takes a lot a lot of time. It is not something that that you can just uh, take instructions and just go with it and finish. You have to work closely with with interpreters, go back and forth, try different things, uh, hear the feedback from interpreter because the devil is in detail. And so we have to spend a lot of time just uh, testing all these uh, different technologies and and see which one produces the best result. I don't know if I answered your question, but... Uh... No, I think you did. You, you know, sometimes you... You know, the, from the initial product that was brought in to where we come back, we don't do a full circle at times. And, you know, just the, the sheer volume of data and... On average, when you're running a new volume of this data, how many how many clusters are you utilizing, and how long is have you seen the average output? So, for one volume, does it take two or three days, twenty four hours a day with all your clusters and and a hundred servers? Well, running? depending on 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 the on the method we use, depending on the processing step. Uh, Sometimes uh, we have clusters in, in uh, I think the number, the number is 33 servers and they have multiple CPUs. So, so sometimes we will line up tests one after another. Uh, as, as I said, we were not testing on, on one little part of the data. We, uh, we each time tested on, on the whole data. And so it would take maybe sometimes uh, couple of days with multiple with multiple clusters um, some some operation uh, would would take longer than the others but I think maybe a couple of days each time would be would be approximately what what it took us for each test okay and my understanding is depending on what we're doing and what we're looking for we might even reprocess already processed data in a different way uh, no. as needed in the same way that Lee has been saying the interpretation is constantly evolving and you might go back to the same data and reinterpret some aspects. So this data is something that will continue to give us benefits uh, for years. Is that is that a correct understanding? It, that is exactly right. Um, I, can, I can tell you uh, one example. Uh, Back then, when I was uh, working in BP, uh, sorry, when I was working in GXT with BP, BP was one of the client uh, clients, and and uh, Nick Burke was uh, the client representative that I worked closely with, and I asked him if he wanted process data, and to my and everybody's surprise, he said no. He just wanted the final data. Because we pro reprocess it every five day, uh, five years anyway. So, wow. as we know, uh, seismic acquisition is uh, expensive part. Actually, actually, it's like an hourglass. At the top would be seismic acquisition, which uh, the width would represent the cost. And seismic processing is narrow in terms of cost, but necessary part. And then we have drilling that is very expensive. So rather than going um, and, and, and acquiring the data, the data is good, the data is acquired, you will use new techniques uh, to process existing data. Or as you said, and Lee, Lee uh, uh, not just uh, processing evolving, interpretation 
also is involving and the view of geology is involving evolving as well so yes this data uh, will not have one-time usage certainly uh, it can and probably will be reprocessed later at some point that's incredible well I I, I think it's just a, a perfect time to have to or to have the opportunity to sit down and speak with you, uh, being, you know, that it's in the middle of July and already, and to have a little bit more understanding for our shareholders to have a bit more understanding. I, I while I haven't spoken to you personally yet, and, and you've spoken with uh, Rob quite a bit over the years, uh, he, he speaks very highly of you and, and of the work that you all do. And I feel like I've learned a ton that is going to be incredibly helpful uh, to speak to investors, hopefully just get them to listen to this podcast, and then they have as much information as I do. Uh, but we really appreciate your time. You've been very generous with your time today, and we thank you uh, for being on this podcast. Well, likewise, I appreciate that you invited me, and I appreciate uh, the that you chose Agile Seismic to do the processing. I know you had many choices, but I appreciate that it was us who who was selected to do the job and hopefully we will continue working together in the future. Wonderful. Thank you so much and you have a great day. Okay, you too and be safe. All right, bye. You Thank you. Right, bye-bye. Thanks, Thank Andy you, and Robert. Thank you, bye-bye. Bye-bye. We want to thank our listeners for listening to the Zion Oil & Gas podcast. Zion Oil & Gas is a public company traded on the NASDAQ market with ticker symbol ZN and explores for oil and gas onshore in Israel on their 99,000 acre Megiddo Jezreel license area. We encourage you to share this podcast with others. Also subscribe in your favorite podcast app. And we look forward to new weeks of this podcast for you. Please know that this podcast contains forward-looking statements, and we encourage you to read the entire forward-looking statement in the details of this podcast. I am Andrew Summy, and for Zion's sake, I will not be silent. This podcast contains forward-looking statements, statements in this communication that are not historical fact, including statements regarding Zion's planned operations, anticipated attributes of geological strata that may be drilled or tested in the future, imported the drilling rig it purchased into Israel in a timely manner, and Zion's ability to successfully raise the funds needed to undertake all of its planned exploration efforts, Zion's ability to continue as a going concern, Zion's ability to have its common stock continue to be listed on the NASDAQ capital market, the timing and completion of the processing, interpretation of the results and plans contingent thereon of the 3D seismic survey, the timing of the importation onto the well site of the purchased drilling rig, approvals needed for the rig's erection and startup, the effect, if any, of the coronavirus pandemic on the timing of the delivery and startup of the well, and operational risks in ongoing exploration efforts, are forward-looking statements which are made pursuant to the safe harbor provisions of Section 27A of the Securities Act of 1933, as amended, and Section 21E of the Securities and Exchange Act of 1934, as amended. 
These forward-looking statements are based on assumptions that are subject to significant known and unknown risks, uncertainties, and other unpredictable factors, many of which are described in Zion's periodic reports filed with the SEC and are beyond Zion's control. These risks could cause Zion's actual performance to differ materially from the results predicted by these forward-looking statements. Zion can give no assurance that the expectations reflected in these statements will prove to be correct and assumes no responsibility to update these statements. Thank you.